0: Good morning. We're glad that you've chosen to spend this morning with us. Wherever you are, whether you're sitting at your computer or looking at your phone or watching on the TV this morning, we would encourage you to worship along with us, to sing the praises either by yourself or with your family and sing them out to God this morning. He is worthy of it. He is greater and he is stronger and he is higher than any other. So join us now as we praise him.
1: no one like you, none like you, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are No! So See-
2: Let's pray together. Lord God, you are our Father. You are good and true. You are faithful to keep your promises. We thank you that we are able to trust you because of this. When we have trials here on earth, we can be sure that you will remain true to your word. We can be sure that you have a plan and that you will be glorified. I pray that we will be faithful to you as you are to us. I pray that no matter what we face here on earth, you will strengthen our faith and confidence in you and what you say. I thank you for the promise of your salvation. I thank you that it does not depend on our actions or our righteousness, but that it is secured for us through Jesus in his righteousness. In his sacrifice for us. I pray that you will use the trials we are facing today through the coronavirus and other ways in our lives to bring many to faith in Jesus as our Savior. I pray that you will strengthen our faith in you during this time. I thank you that you have called us your children. May you provide for the needs of your children today. May you show us more of your love each day, and may we grow in our love for you. I pray that your name will be made great throughout the world, and that you will be honored and glorified as you deserve. I pray these things in Jesus' great and holy name. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from the book of Hebrews,
0: chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek.
3: Amen.
4: For the past seven weeks, I've not been able to watch live sports on TV. Therefore, I have had to seek out other means of entertainment. And one of the things that I've been doing is I've been watching some movies that I've wanted to see, but for some reason have not been able to get around to watching. Last weekend, I watched the third movie in the Chronicle of Narnia series, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Now, the Dawn Treader is a ship that the Pevensey children, Lucy and Edmund, along with their cousin Eustace, travel on to various islands within Narnia in order to rescue the seven lords of Narnia that have been banished to those islands. Now, my review of the film, for those of you who are just dying to know is that this movie is not quite as good as the other two Narnia movies. But I still enjoyed watching the adventure. I particularly enjoyed the scenes on the sea when an ocean storm came up. I enjoyed seeing the waves crash onto the ship's deck. I enjoyed seeing the ship being tossed up and down on the waves. And I also enjoyed seeing the sailors fight with a sea monster. Since the Chronicles of Narnia stories are about the adventure of living the Christian life, the film reminded me of the dangers that we are going through as we make our way toward heaven and eternal life with Jesus. Life in this world is not a smooth ride on a calm lake. No, the Christian life is lived in rough seas, so we Christians desperately need an anchor in our stormy seas if we are going to make it to heaven. Last week we saw from Hebrews chapter 6 that the author warned the church not to fall away from its faith in Jesus Christ. He encouraged them instead to persevere in their faith in spite of the rough seas that persecution was bringing to the church. Today we are going to see the author will give his Christian readers reassurance that they do have an anchor of hope in their stormy seas. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 6 today and see why we need that anchor and why we can trust God's promises. We see in Hebrews 6 that you need an anchor because you struggle with doubting God's promises. This world has a way of making you doubt God and His great promises. The author of Hebrews gives us the example of Abraham from the book of Genesis, as someone who was tempted to doubt the promises of God. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we see three great promises that God had made to Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God had promised Abram in these verses a land, a child, and that through him would come a blessing to all families on the earth. These are some great promises. Well, it took a while, but God finally came through on his promises to Abraham. He gave to Abraham and his wife a child, a child named Isaac. How happy Abraham was that God had kept his promise. But then God gave to Abraham a serious test to his faith. The test came in Genesis chapter 22. In that particular chapter, God commands Abraham to sacrifice his son, his only son, Isaac, Now, if you were Abraham, what would have been going through your mind when you heard that command from God? What would you have doubted? First, you would have doubted God's goodness. How could a good God command me to sacrifice my son, my beloved son? Second, you might have doubted God's sanity. God, you promised me that I would have a son who would become a mighty nation with his descendants. But how is my son going to become a mighty nation if I kill him off before he can get married and have a child of his own? That is just insane. But amazingly enough, Abraham continued to trust God's promise even after he had received this command from God. Abraham obeyed God in this greatest test of his life. He took Isaac up a mountain in order to sacrifice him. But just when Abraham was about to kill his only son, God spoke to him and told him not to kill Isaac. He told Abraham to sacrifice a ram that was caught in a nearby thicket instead. Abraham then had a anchor of hope that he held on to, it held him firm in this stormy sea of his life. He trusted that God would keep his promises, even when it looked impossible for God to keep those promises. And so in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 14, we see the author of Hebrews quote from Genesis 22 and verse 17. In that verse, God reaffirmed all of the promises that he had made to Abraham after Abraham had been willing to sacrifice his son. God promised to Abraham again in Hebrews 6 and verse 14, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. God would keep his promises to Abraham. God always keeps his promises. So why did the author of Hebrews tell this story of Abraham? Because the author knew that we are tempted always to doubt God's promises. It's hard to trust those promises. The readers of Hebrews were seriously tempted to doubt the promises of God. Was God really leading them to a promised land of heaven by following Jesus? Or were they really on the road to nowhere? a road filled with meaningless pain and suffering. The author of Hebrews was saying, you have an anchor of hope in God's promises. God kept his promise to Abraham, and God will also keep his promise to you. Well, how do you know that God will keep his promises? Look at what God does in verse 13. God swore by himself. Now, years ago, when people would swear to tell the truth in a court, they would swear on a Bible. They would swear on the Bible to say that their testimony was backed up by the higher authority of the Bible. Well, who is a higher authority than God himself? No one. So who did God have to swear by? He could only swear by himself that he would tell the truth. He told the truth to Abraham and he swore to that truth. God then guaranteed that he would keep his promises to Abraham because there is no higher authority than God. He swore that he would keep his promise to multiply Abraham's descendants through Isaac in verse 14. And this was no ordinary promise that God was making. God backed up his promise with an oath, according to verse 17. And when God makes an oath, this is serious. When God promises with an oath, is definitely going to happen. When I get a bill in the mail from CMP... The power company is quite content to receive a personal check from me to pay my bill. The company trusts when they receive my personal check that I have the funds that I say I do in my bank account when I write out that check. But over 18 years ago now, I made the biggest purchase in my life. Wendy and I bought our first and only house. When the time came to close on the house, I didn't pull out a personal check to pay for the house. I suspect that if I had done so, the realtors and the bankers at that closing would have said to me, Glenn, we like you. We really do. And Glenn, we trust you. We think. But for this big of a purchase, we need something more than just a personal check. And so because of the serious nature of this particular purchase, I brought with me to that closing a certified check. This certified check was a check that was not just guaranteed by me and my word. This certified check was guaranteed by a bank. It was not just my name on that check. A representative of the bank also signed that particular check to guarantee that the funds would be available. Church, this is what God has done for us with his great promises. God knows that we are tempted to doubt his promises. And so God even swears to guarantee that what he promises will happen. God swears to keep his promises Not because his word is ever in doubt. God swears to us because we are in doubt. You see, God knows our weaknesses. And God goes out of his way to reassure us that he will keep his promises to bring us to heaven through Jesus. He promises to us with an oath. So throughout our Christian lives, we are going to be tempted to doubt God's promises, but we have great reasons to trust his promises. We have already seen the first reason to trust his promises is that God swears with an oath. He backs up his great promise to take us to the promised land of heaven with an oath. And second, we can trust God's great promises because of God's character we see in verse 18 who our God is. God reminds us there that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We are reminded in this verse of two things about God. First, God had made an oath. God always keeps his promises when he makes an oath. And second, we are reminded in verse 18 that God does not lie. If God ever lied, he would in that moment cease to be God. God cannot lie. It's impossible for him to do that. God always keeps his word. And so he will keep his promise to us. He will bring us to heaven through his Son. His oath and his word are sure. They are an anchor of hope for us in whatever stormy sea we are going through. Now, if it's true that God's word is sure to happen, here is my question for you. How well do you know God's word? How well do you know what God has said to you in the bible if you're going to persevere on the storm you see that you are traveling through you are, need to you need to hold fast as verse 18 reminds us you need to know the promises that god has made you in his word you need to know your theology if you're going to make it to your final destination of heaven well some might say well pastor I, I'm not really all that interested in theology. Well, on this point, I would disagree with you. I believe that everyone in the world is a theologian. Even atheists are theologians. Everyone believes something about God. The point is, are you a good theologian or are you a bad theologian? A bad theologian believes things about God that are based on their personal preferences. But a good theologian will look at the Bible, will know the promises that God has made in his word, and that good theologian will hold fast to those promises. If you know what God promises in the Bible and you hold fast to those promises, you have an anchor of hope for your soul your assurance of your ultimate salvation is directly connected to your beliefs about God and his son, Jesus Christ. Theology matters. What you believe about God and his word matters. So church, know the word. Read it. Study it. If you know God's word, you will have a reason to trust his promises. God's word cannot lie. We have reason then to trust God's promises because God has given us an oath and God has given us his word and God can never lie in his word. But there is a third reason that we can trust God's promises that is found in Hebrews chapter 6. God has also given to us his Son, Jesus. Verse 19 says that our hope of heaven is a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. And that anchor is heavy. It is unmovable. That anchor is a hope for us that is real and firm. And one of the reasons why our hope is real and firm is because of what Jesus has done for us. Verse 19 says that we have a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Now, what is that all about? What does the author mean? Well, do you remember what happened in the temple on Good Friday at the moment when Jesus died on the cross? The thick and heavy curtain that separated people from the Holy of Holies within the temple at that very moment was torn in two. It was ripped apart at that moment. It was ripped apart and it showed that the place where God was said to live, the presence of God was said to reside there in the Holy of Holies, was now open to all people. Free and open access was open now to God because of what Jesus had done on the cross. His death opened the way for all of us to come into the presence of our holy God. What does that mean for us? Our sins no longer separate us from God. Our sins are completely forgiven because of Christ's death on the cross. So whenever you are in trouble in this life, you can freely come into the presence of God and cry out to him for help. Verse 20 reminds us that because Jesus is our high priest, because Jesus offered up himself for us as a sacrifice, we can now come before God at any time, whenever we need his help. In this way, Jesus is so much greater than any of the Old Testament priests. You see, the Old Testament priests could only come into the presence of God one day a year, the day of atonement. But now, because of Jesus, even ordinary Christians like you and me can come into the presence of God at any time that we need his help whenever we are in trouble on the stormy sea of life. Is that a reason for hope today? One thing that gives me hope is that my salvation has nothing to do with me. My hope is not grounded in who I am or in what I do. My hope is grounded in Jesus as my high priest, My hope is grounded in what Jesus has done for me in dying on the cross for my sins. If my going to heaven was all up to me, I would be very depressed today. I am so weak. I fall so easily into sin. I give up so quickly. But my salvation is completely dependent upon Jesus and not on me. I have an anchor of hope because I depend for my salvation, not on my love for Jesus, but rather on his love for me. Not on my commitment to Jesus, but on his promise to me. And not on my hold on Jesus, but rather on his firm grasp of me. So, church, don't give up on your journey toward heaven. You have an anchor of hope that you can hold on to. So how should you respond to this hope that you have? You should be encouraged to hold fast to the anchor of your hope. Now, the world will tell you that it's foolish to hold on to God's promises. People in the world will say, You believe that Jesus is coming again to this earth? You believe that Jesus is going to take you to a world of perfect love and total joy where you will live with him forever? Come on. Take a look around you at the world that we live in. It's a world full of suffering. That suffering is real. But you Christians believe in a fairy tale world of happily ever after. Besides, Jesus came and left this world over 2,000 years ago. If Jesus were going to come back, don't you think he would have come back by now? The world, then, makes us doubt God's promises. But the author of Hebrews is saying that we need to be patient if we want to see God keep his promises. And so in verse 15, we read, And this Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. How long did Abraham have to wait before God kept his promise to him to give him a child? 25 years. God promised Abraham a son When he was 75 years old. And then Abraham waited. And he waited some more. And while he waited. He could have said to himself. God I'm not getting any younger here. But Abraham. Kept waiting. He kept holding fast. To the anchor of God's promise. And 25 years after first getting the promise. God kept his word. Abraham then was patient. He persevered in his faith. And church, Abraham is an example for us. Abraham did not receive the promises of God right away, and neither will we. God will not keep his promises to us on our timetable. He will keep his promises according to his perfect timing. Yes, you are journeying on a stormy sea today. You can be tempted to doubt God's good promises will ever be kept. But you have an anchor of hope in these promises. You can be sure that Jesus is coming back, and he will take you home to heaven with him. You just need to be patient, like Abraham was, while you wait for God to keep his promises. Here is the wonderful truth that Hebrews chapter 6 teaches. It wasn't just Abraham who received the promises of God. Verse 17 says that when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. My question is, who are the heirs of the promise that God made to Abraham? That would be you, the church. God promised Abraham a land. It's a land, Israel, that the children of Abraham live in to this very day. And we in the church have also been promised a land, a land in heaven. Will we not also receive this promise that God has made with an oath? Yes, we will. And this oath is an anchor to our soul. God also promised to Abraham a child, the child Isaac, who was given 25 years after God made the promise. God promised then to multiply Isaac's descendants into a great nation. And God has promised the church that we will multiply until one day in heaven we will see, according to Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Church, will not God keep his promise? He will, So hold fast to this anchor of your hope. Hold fast to the promises of God, no matter how stormy your seas are today. We have discussed a lot of theology today, so let me point out the key verse of this entire passage. The key verse is verse 18. There the author says, "...we who have fled for refuge..." might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Be encouraged. Hold fast. Don't give up. Don't quit on your faith in Christ. Don't give in to your doubts. Fight your doubts. Trust God's promises. Seize the hope that is set before you. Hold on to the anchor of your hope. Trust me, you don't want to miss out on the promises that God has made to you. God has made an oath that he will keep. His promise to you is a promise of a great promised land in heaven. And when God makes an oath, that oath is sure to be coming true. It's guaranteed to happen. So look forward with hope. Don't look around you at your problems. Don't look within you to your own resources. Instead, look forward with hope to the day that you will be with Christ. That day is coming. That is a promise from God that you can hold on to. Let's pray together. God, we thank you today that you have given us an anchor for our souls. Thank you that we have something that we can hold on to in our stormy seas. Thank you for your wonderful promises that we can trust today. Lord, for those who are struggling to believe your promises today, I pray that you would reassure them that your promises definitely will come true. Thank you that you are a God who cannot lie. Thank you that you are a God who even swears an oath to us that you will keep your promises. So help us to trust you. Help us to come into your presence whenever we are afraid. And may we know for certain that you are a God who will always keep his promises. Thank you that we can count on you. In your great name we pray, amen.
3: Let
1: the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh he is my song. Let the King of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for
0: Well, thank you so much for participating in our service today. We again look forward to a time when we can all meet again together. Uh, we are going to have a Zoom meeting today at 1030, and we would encourage you to join us there if it is before 1030 when you're watching this. We are going to participate in communion together. So get your bread and your juice ready. Also encourage you and your family or you and your growth group to go over the questions that are attached to this video together. And we hope that you have a great week. Keep God in first and foremost in your life.